What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. So, change of scenery. We're camping this weekend. Uh, as you can see around me, this is our uh, new-to-us other vintage camper. The other one that you may or may not have seen me shoot in before or outside of. Uh, it's a little warm out there to be recording outside right now, so I'm going to be in air conditioning hall right now and work inside in comfort. Uh, yeah, you can see this vintage pattern on this couch here. Uh, the vintage wood grain paneling. That'll all change soon. We're going to brighten it up and paint things grays and blacks and stuff. And it, I think it'll still go with this like vintage mauve, whatever this is. But anyway, Uncle Reddit's not really ready to uh, start reupholstering furniture just yet. But we may come up with some kind of slip covers. And uh, yeah, nice little rig. It's a 31-foot travel trailer, 1987. Not bad. I might uh, I might throw a few pictures up in the next video, but uh, this thing has seventeen. Count them. Well, I'll count them. Seventeen ceiling lights. It is insane. Like I have two right over my head. I have this little reading lamp, and then I have this regular twelve volt light, and another set on that end of the couch. Uh, yeah, it, we're not hurting for light in here. Let's put it that way, which is nice because a lot of campers, even newer campers. They're kind of lacking in the lighting department, so she needs some work, but a uh, little TLC. We got her cleaned up and added a few little personalization touches just to make it so that we could come down to uh, the lower end of Virginia on the eastern shore. We are just outside. Well, we're just before you would get on the Bay Bridge Tunnel to head into Virginia Beach uh, at a nice little KOA campground here, and yeah, we're enjoying it so far. It rained like the first night and all day yesterday, but... Uh, Today, everybody decided to go down to the beach for a little while. I'm going to record, and then I'm going to join them at the tail end of their beach experience, and we're going to go to the pool. And then we'll come home and cook over the fire. It's nice. It's it's uh, it's still glamping. It's not true camping. It's not a tent. I'm not in the middle of the wilderness. I don't have to forage for berries, kill a bear, whatever. Uh, but for me, it'll do. Anyway, enough rambling. Let's get to some malicious compliance. And pardon the camera shaking. It's... Uh, this thing, I don't care how stable you make it, something's always shaking in here when you move, so... Eh. Coffee Karen. Dear daughter, 15, works casual at a kid's recreation center and only just started behind the kiosk counter. Enter a mom, Karen, who orders a coffee, $4.40, and wants to pay by card. Dear daughter apologizes and explains minimum card payment is $5 and she can either pay by cash or buy something extra to take it up to 5 Karen gets angry and demanding. Says this has never happened before and insists she's paid by card hundreds of times before. Eventually, Karen demands to see the manager. Of course she did. And the manager who takes over the transaction and cops the wrath of Karen. Manager swipes the card and hands over the freshly brewed coffee. Karen, having won, walks off with a shit-eating grin and a snarky comment of, You ought to train your staff better. Dear daughter quietly turns to her manager and inquires if it's okay to charge less than $5 to a card. Nah, I charge her $5 for her coffee. She does it all the time, but I just overcharge her every time, but she thinks she's won. Miss 15 never felt so satisfied ever. Okay, I was starting to think that maybe the manager caved to Karen completely and threw dear daughter under the bus. I like the way this manager handles it, except if you know she does it all the time and you have a young, impressionable, probably a little oversensitive because they're brand new and it has nothing to do with being a girl, 
anybody who's brand new in 15 working behind a retail counter is going to get abused. Give them a little bit of a heads up so they don't get blindsided by this weirdo, you know. Say, listen, when this lady comes in, you'll know her. She's going to complain because you're going to have to tell her that she can't use a card because it's under $5, yada, yada, yada. Just charge her 5 bucks and be done with it. The manager was half right, uh, but you still sort of threw your employee under the bus by doing it in front of the uh, entitled mom and, yeah, making your daughter look like the one who was wrong when she wasn't. She was following policy, but anyway. Oh, well. She must go on leave, and I won't hear any excuses. So this happened a few years ago. I was a union delegate at a large firm. We had a manager called Karen. Oh, dear. I've written about her before on this subreddit, who was appointed to her role by a director of the company. Let's call the director her uncle. Karen wasn't very clever. She hadn't finished high school and previously worked as a receptionist. She once told me 40 was half of 100. (laughs) Oh, dear God. Karen is struggling in her job and basically does nothing. Her desk is a mess of paperwork. She also looks after all the small departments like records, security, stores, etc. If anyone takes on Karen, the director steps in and Karen gets a get-out-of-jail card. There were a few occasions when Karen got yelled at by manager for making costly mistakes and Karen was put on stress leave and manager got a warning. One of the paralegals, Sally, from records, comes to me and says she thinks she's in trouble. Sally recently had six weeks leave. She was forced on leave due to having too much annual leave. Once you have more than six weeks, you're forced to go on leave until you have no more than two weeks. Sally tells me that HR and Karen enforced her leave and she submitted a paper leave form the same day Karen was put on stress leave. Sally went on leave came back the same day as Karen. Sally's leave wasn't docked, she just got paid as per regular. While Karen was away, they replaced her with Paula, who found Karen hadn't really done any work for about seven months. I found Paula and asked casually about what had happened. She told me on day one she threw all the paperwork out and started over again. So I attended a meeting with Sally, Karen, and HR, knowing there isn't a record of Sally's leave. Karen starts the meeting on a verbal rampage about not doing as she told Sally to do. Sally needs to go on leave now or else, and she doesn't want to hear excuses. I interject at this point and point out to HR that Karen behavior is unacceptable. But we agree, QMC, as Sally has over eight weeks leave now, she will go on leave effective tomorrow. Sally submits a leave form to Karen and we leave the meeting. Sally's leave is reduced on her payslip this time. No one questioned a thing. Holy cow, so are you telling me she got like 12 weeks leave? She only had to come into work for a day or two or whatever in the middle? That's incredible. That proves just how much Karen really let things slide and didn't pay attention to anything. And good on Paula for throwing all that paperwork out. Holy cow. I can't even imagine. That's one thing I've always hated is coming in behind somebody else who's incompetent or just doesn't care or both. You know, having to clean up their messes for them. I've done it in the carpentry field for a number of years and it really ticks me off. I'll come in and take over a job for somebody who's been, let's just say running the job. And they allowed the plumbers to get away with stuff. They allowed the electricians to get away with stuff. They allowed the heat and AC guys to get away with stuff. And, you know, you've got you've got wooden beams that are cut in half because, you know, the, the fire sprinkler, fire suppression system guys needed to get through an area according to their engineering drawings. And instead of everybody stopping and let's figure out how to work around it, they just take a sawzall to other people's work and run their stuff through. The HVAC guys would try to do the same thing unacceptable on any level but if there was a competent supervisor there they would have caught it before it happened and uh yeah we could have made something work legally and everybody would have been happy but it's like anything else if you if you let it go right from the beginning it just builds on itself and things get worse and worse and worse throughout the whole job and it just sucks
there really is no good catching up. Your callback numbers after that, when you have to go back and make repairs and changes and things like that, are just through the roof. And it costs us, you know, the contracting company or the developer, tons of money. And it was my boss that hired this jackhole to begin with, but that's another story. Bring it to your supervisor. Okay. I'm a female and work in an office. There are several men there. For the most part, they work with us side by side with no problem. This one guy has been slowly harassing me for what reason I'm not sure of. I didn't do anything which I know of. I'm courteous to all. I even used to joke with him, but his jokes started to draw the line. He was harassing me on a daily basis. Basically, I have disengaged myself from him and stopped joking around which I've begun to believe is why he started getting more aggressive with me. Last week, I vowed to myself that I would approach him if he continued to be aggressive with me. He isn't like that with anyone else. Lo and behold, he acted out again. I took a couple minutes to cool down, and then I approached Right away, he blew up at me and said, Bring it to your supervisor. He wouldn't even listen to what I had to say. Here's the malicious compliance. I didn't just bring it up to our supervisor. I did one better. I went to the head supervisor. I told the head supervisor all the things he was doing to me. They just looked at me and said, don't worry, I'll take care of it from here. I did see he was pulled into a meeting. Through the door I could hear a raised voice. It sounded like him. But after that meeting, he's finally behaving as he should. Maybe he shouldn't have asked me to talk to the supervisor. Well, the only thing I can figure, OP, is one of two things. You either did something inadvertently, well, maybe one of three things. You either did something that inadvertently, you know, tweaked him and he didn't, you know, he thought that you were being either nasty with him or personal or something. I don't know. Or... Two, maybe you did do something and you don't know it, and maybe you're not being honest in the story. Just saying it's a possibility. I wasn't there. Or three, it's like grade school all over again. You know how when little boys have a crush on a little girl, uh, they'll pull their ponytail, and back in the days when they you know, did all their math work on Slate, they would dip their ponytail, well, on some paper, they would dip their ponytail in the inkwell, things like that, you know. That, maybe he had a crush on you, and that's why he kind of was pushing boundaries. Uh, I've seen it in adults, too, sadly. But but either way, this guy was totally inappropriate. So what are you going to do? You took it to the supervisor. You took it to the head supervisor, which was probably the best call you could have made. Uh, hopefully, it won't become a more hostile environment, and everybody can just do their damn jobs. Boss wants me to cut internet to employees. I comply. When I was at the university, a friend landed a part-time job doing networking for a really small company and asked me if I wanted in because he also had other customers and was worried he wouldn't be able to handle them all. It was easy money, 12 hours a month, to basically maintain the network infrastructure, upgrade firmware on routers, check logs, run antivirus software, and install some shit on computers. So I said yes. The company used to fix and sell printers and printer-related stuff. It was run by two ladies that were friends. Let's call them May and June. But the CEO in functions was May's husband, let's call him CEO Peter, who was also June's husband's best friend. The rest of the company were accountant Peter, that shared the name with CEO, some technicians that were never there, and two hardworking sales representatives. Basically, the accountant technicians and sales reps were the only ones doing work there. Even though May and June were also technically sales reps, they hardly ever made a call. May spent all day browsing the internet for things to buy. Her thing was shoes. June spent all day chatting with another guy, not her husband, who also shared the name with the CEO, let's call him Third Peter, holy cow. And CEO Peter spent all day watching Prawn, yes, at work. Oh, there's some real dysfunctionality going on here. 
may appear to have no problem with CEO Peter's habits. And I'm going to say the word prawn from now on, otherwise they may just get demonetized. I spent most of the time there trying to clean CEO Peter's computer from the myriad of viruses that he would install, browsing sketchy sites. And even when I complained a lot about it to him, he said that he didn't know why there were so many viruses and kept doing it every single day. The place was full of drama, and after a while, me and my friend would pretend to have work to do and spent time there just for the lulls. One day, May approaches me furiously saying that she caught one of the sales reps browsing the internet instead of doing sales calls. She wanted to disable the internet for the reps. I checked the logs, the rep browsing the specs of one of the machines she was selling, a newer model she wasn't familiar with. So, cue malicious compliance. I disabled internet for the whole company. About two minutes later, May, June, and CEO Peter came running to the server room, shouting about what the hell was happening to their internet. Accountant and sales rep pretty much never realized something changed because they were hard at work. I told them that May made me do it. She said, but just to the reps. I told them some bull that I couldn't block a specific IP because they were assigned dynamically, so they were about to change and blah blah blah. CEO Peter was red as a tomato. He demanded to reinstate internet for everyone. I looked at June. She nodded. I looked at May. She said, are you sure you can't just for them? I said, no. She exhaled, okay then. Internet is back up. P.S. 1. Company dissolved when June sent an email meant for third Peter to accountant Peter while he was looking at a thing with CEO Peter who saw the email. That day I think we spent like four hours in the company. The only thing lacking was popcorn. P.S. 2. CEO Peter made hilarious attempts to hide his prawn usage. Once he had a CD named something like Big Breasted Gals and told me it was a kid's movie. Oh dear. P.S. 3. June had a post-it note with her password at one side of her screen. Talk about dysfunctional. There's dysfunctionality with the family, people who are related to each other, the company, the employees. How did anything get accomplished here? Well, I guess it didn't. I guess that's the moral of the story. Nothing good happened. You had a few good, dedicated employees, and uh, but the problem is everybody that's in charge is just a total screw-up. So, yeah, I guess it was just destined to fail from the start, but woo. Loss prevention wants us to put in service calls. This may be my last contribution due to the upcoming changes, so I wanted it in my favorite subreddit. I work for a printing company, and as I tell a lot of people, much of my job is literally malicious compliance. People wanting things printed despite how they look. Spelling and design errors and just being plain ugly. This is another story that's come up these past two weeks. I don't know what changes they're talking about. A while ago, one of the other locations absolutely destroyed one of their printers. Toner everywhere. The finisher unit was a hunk of plastic and metal. I genuinely don't know what they did to the machine, but it was foobar based on the photo. Especially since the toner cartridge is not in the finisher unit. An investigation took place and it was discovered that rather than calling in printer technicians to repair the machines, some of the company employees were repairing them instead. A company-wide message went out essentially telling everyone not to repair or perform maintenance on the machine ourselves. Genuinely common sense things that had to be put on paper because someone did something stupid. We were always supposed to put in service calls to the techs to come take care of the machines or we would be brought to HR. Three months later, which is last week, two guys from loss prevention who will be Tweedledum and Tweedledumber came in to do a regular check-in. Everything was going great until I needed to change the paper in one of the printers. Tweedledum approached me and basically began raking me over the coals saying that only technicians can open the machines. Of course I'm dumbfounded because all I'm doing is changing the paper, but just shrug and say, sorry, won't happen again. Well, the next day I was brought into a meeting with HR over a video call basically wagging their finger at me. My boss, D, took the fall for me and said he was the one to tell me to change the paper. So I got off scot-free, and D only got a slap on the wrist. Thankfully so, as this would have been my second write-up in two months. 
The first was stupid but legitimate mistake on my part. However, as a result of this, the whole facility went into malicious compliance mode after that meeting. Need to change out the paper trays? Service call. Paper jam? Better put in a service call. Need to change the toner? That's a service call. Our output of jobs last week was absolutely in the toilet. Machines were down for nearly 90% of the shifts. The techs were having a field day, however, as they got paid per call they took. While our backlog is through the roof, we were able to make our point eventually. I'm not sure exactly what had been happening in the background, but today I received a handwritten apology from Tweedledum and Tweedledumber with a $50 Visa gift card saying that they didn't understand what our job required when they reprimanded me and referred me to HR. We're back at full capacity now and have a huge backlog to catch up on. I'm hoping in addition to this gift card, I can also get in some approved overtime for some extra spending money on an upcoming trip I have planned. The company I work for may be dim at times, but at least they often admit when they make a mistake. Update 1. So I learned a bit more about the situation. The loss prevention people that were involved were the ones directly dealing with the loss of the destroyed printer, and there turned out to be a misunderstanding about everything. My other co-workers in the copy center have gotten into the habit of putting excess paper on the opposite side of the paper tray as storage. The tray can hold up to 12 by 18 paper, so when there's an 8.5 by 11 in there, they use the extra space for storage. The techs and D have told them not to do that as they can damage the machine. Whenever I see excess paper, I take it out. That's what loss protection saw and why they reprimanded me in the first place. They assumed since I was working with the machines, I was the one who put the extra paper in. I learned this when the company assigned Karen was written up and made it rather vocal today. The problem with working with a good company like this is that it takes way too long to get rid of problem employees. Well, OP, at least you work for a company that's willing to admit to a certain extent their mistakes. And it was good of them. They, you know, you got a handwritten apology letter from the two guys uh, along with a nice little hefty gift card and a little bit of a headache to deal with. But, you know, in the long run, at least things are being made right. I will say this, working at a good company, not only should they be apologizing when they realize their mistakes, and the fact that they do realize their mistakes is good, but, you know, if you have a problem employee, they should be paying just a little bit more attention and maybe asking a few more questions so they can figure out and narrow down who that employee is. Then you can kind of clear things up from there. But nothing's perfect, right? So you want your ball back? At the beginning of the COVID lockdown, the company that I work for put out notice to all clients that we would not be doing occupied repairs unless it was an emergency. Less than a week into the lockdown, one of our clients decides that our notice does not apply to them. Calls for us to do an occupied repair for a hole in the wall with a side note to retrieve of the baseball inside. <laughs> the following morning, I checked in the leasing office and tried to tell a little info as to where the hole was and any info as to what I was about to walk into. I was told that they wanted the ball back because it was autographed and very valuable. Their kid was playing with it in the apartment. I was also informed to try to keep it to a minimum because the resident was paying for the repair. I wish they had told me how much of a B the resident was going to be. I go to the apartment, introduce myself to the resident, and I'm greeted with, What, they couldn't find a Mexican to fix my wall? They sent the cracker to make my home still look like crap? I tried to ensure her that I could fix the wall, but she just slammed the door in my face. I returned to the leasing office and explained to the assistant maintenance supervisor, what had just happened, and just said, here we go again, let's go, I'll talk to her. We both go back, and the AMS tells her that I'm more than capable of fixing the wall, and he personally requested me to do the job. She lets us in with a look of disapproval. I start the job by spreading out a drop in plastic, and cutting out the already baseball-sized hole bigger so I can see and feel around for the ball. When I determine that the wall is staggered wall, and I won't be able to find it. For those who don't know, a staggered wall is two walls built with an inch of space between them, used for muffling noises and oftentimes to hide plumbing. And a side note from Uncle Reddit, it's also used as a fire and smoke barrier. So it's multi-use. I told AMS that she really wants that ball. I'm going to need to open the wall even more. 
He goes to talk to the resident, and all I hear is yelling. I don't give a damn if you got to open the entire wall. I want that effing ball. AMS comes back and mentioned to me to take a step outside while he made a phone call. A minute later, my boss calls me, telling me when I get the okay to do whatever I need to find the ball and keep track of my time. At that point, I realize I'm going to open up a wall just to find a ball. The property manager shows up with paper in hand and has the resident sign it, turns to me and says, go for it. I began taking out the lower half, pulling the insulation looking high and low. About one and a half hours later, we found it in the insulation wedged between the plumbing and the stud of the neighboring wall. The AMS lets the resident know we found it. She comes to collect the ball and freaks out. The AMS reminds her that she didn't give a damn if I had to open the entire wall. Needless to say, I closed up the wall, not leaving any sign of it ever being opened. The paper that the property manager had her sign was to ensure the resident would cover all costs, so what should have been $200 in the job turned into a $1,000-plus job, and the autographed baseball turned out to be worthless. The autograph was from college players who didn't go pro. Hopefully she learned something from this. Well, as far as the value of the baseball goes, you know, it could be sentimental. It could. It just depends. You don't know. The, the player could have been a relative of those people. The value is really not up to us. Monetarily, yeah, there was no value, but that's not usually the total sum of the value of anything. But I will say, the lady could have been a lot nicer about it, and uh, I'm not sure how she expected you to find it, thinking it was just going to be laying right inside that hole. If I was the tenant, I probably would have, you know, cut the hole a little bit bigger myself and found the ball and then whatever. But as we all know, most people are not reasonable these days and tend to make everything as complicated as possible. And like I said in the middle of that story, uh, when you have double walls like that, you know, some of it's for sound barrier, some of it's for smoke and fire, you know, blockage, if it goes all the way to the roof line, that is. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons to have all that insulation and double drywall and everything like that. So yeah, most townhouse and apartment units, unless they have a cinder block wall between, which is complicated enough, uh, it gets really dicey with the double walls like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's rarely just for plumbing chases and things. But anyway, something you probably didn't care about, but said it anyway. All right, guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me. About to go hit the pool. And uh, I hope you enjoy the story. And if you did enjoy the story, whether you're on the podcast format or YouTube or whatever, uh, do me a favor. Show me some kind of sign that says that you enjoy the video and you stayed long enough to hear me yak, 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 yak. Anyway, till the next one, we'll see you.